memory care community, which is Forest Hills Place in Cleveland. And it is um, Cleveland Heights, excuse me. It is a Bible study that is well attended. Uh, the staff there has to gather the participants together in a room in an area on the third floor of the main building. Now, just so you know, the participants on the third floor of this building have memory issues. You know, they can't go about their business on their own. They have to be confined to that third floor because if they were to get out, they wouldn't know what to do or how to handle that. They require a higher level of care and supervision, but not so much so that they don't understand what's going on. A few of the residents, you know, there's an even mix of blacks and whites and male and female, and they know about church and have familiarity with discussions about Jesus. Some of the residents are less inclined to participate as they may be further down the road, so to speak, when it comes to their memory, and they will lose or lack attentiveness or focus for that matter. With that said, there's still about 15 to 20 of them that can hang in there for a one-hour Bible study. The reason why I say hang in there is that this is after lunch when we have the Bible study. You know how it is after you eat lunch. You're you're nodding off and you're waking up and you're nodding off again and you're waking up. That's kind of how it is, right? That's what we do. (laughs) Um, We do the very same thing. So they just kind of hang in there for that. But I also had to come to the conclusion, even though they're falling asleep, And this is something that you all should keep in mind, too. God is greater than any situation or circumstance that we experience. And I have to trust that even the words that are spoken that get through, they stay there as a way of encouraging them, whether they're awake or asleep. Because, you know, sometimes you can hear stuff when you're sleeping, too. So I had to leave it there, and that's a good thing. Now, for those who are wondering, and I I mention this because my mother is at that facility, but she's not in that same building. She is in the rear building, which is a a more acute memory care area. It's called Forest Way. And it's for residents that have a more extreme case. You know, on a scale of one to six, my mother is a six. She's the top of the charts as far as her level of care that's required. Um, She does not remember anyone. She does not know anyone. The only thing that she really does on a daily basis is basically will stand up and walk around and follow around the other residents of the the facility as well as follow around the aides that are helping out as well too. And she'll do this lyrical thing where she's kind of singing her words. That's her daily existence. That's what she's all about. Now the great thing about my mom is that, you know, She doesn't have high blood pressure. She doesn't have any real ailments. She does have to take warfarin because she has had a heart attack in the past. And she wants to make sure her blood is still pumping through the way it's supposed to. But all in all, she's in really good health. The only thing that's really gone pretty much is her mind. Um, But even in that, something's going on in here where she's actually processing music and, and lyrics and things like that. And we'll look at that a little bit later on today, so um, I hope you'll be intrigued by that as well, too. Now, she still has a good appetite, too. Still eats, still eats her food and all that good stuff. So all I can do is just say praise the Lord that she's still here with us. She's still doing those things, but when it comes right down to it, she won't be making any decisions about anything because she's not capable of making decisions. 
Now, going back to the Bible study thing, since a Bible study at Forest Hills Place has to be kind of a one-and-done study, even though I'm doing studies all the time, because no one's going to remember what I talked about last month as opposed to this month. It's not going to happen. They're not going to remember anything like that. They don't remember much from moment to moment. But there is a solid knowledge there still about Jesus, which is a miracle in itself. And so we'll take that for what it is. So I've gone through several studies each month since June of 2018. Can I tell you something, too, as I'm thinking about this? Make sure that you, if you have the ability to take the time out and go and do a Bible study or do a reading or do some sort of ministry like that for people in your area or people that you come in contact with, You know, this came out of the fact that I had to put my mother in an assisted living facility. And so please use your ability to do those very things. You need to make sure that you are maximizing your effort to minister to other people. They need encouragement just like you need encouragement. And sometimes that encouragement is not going to come from family members. Family members don't always visit. Some do, but a lot of them don't. So you keeping those things in mind, especially as we get older and we observe these things in life, please leave open the possibility that you can give back in that way and do something for Jesus Christ. Now, my studies were going through the book of James and they went through Philippians and they went to Colossians and now, First and Second Thessalonians. In the Thessalonian study, the emphasis has been and will continue to be the use of my mantra for this group to stand firm. You can write these words down if you want. Stand firm, stay the course, and remain faithful. Stand firm, stay the course, and remain faithful. You're going to hear those words again. And I hope that you put those and burn them on your mind. Because basically that's what we're all about. We are also to stand firm, stay the course, and remain faithful. That's the challenge for all believers in Jesus Christ. Amen? That is the challenge. Now, I used this phrase last week, if you were here. And the reason I'm emphasizing this phrase to stand firm, stay the course, and remain faithful to those residents at the Bible study is because their daily routine is pretty much the same every day. Sunday through Sunday, every day, they wake up and get dressed, or someone dresses them, amen, And they follow a schedule of activities as guided by the staff of professionals, including set times for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's all on a schedule. They can't keep a schedule. It's the facility that keeps the schedule. The aides keep the schedule. There's a routine that they have to follow. In the middle of all this are the nurses that monitor the resident's health, And they look at their diet and their medication. Their diet and their medication. And they're supposed to observe what's happening with them each and every day. 
That's every day. That's the routine every day. So it's fitting for them and for us to make sure that we remain vigilant in one very important area of life, and that's to stand firm, stay the course, and remain faithful to Jesus Christ every single day. That's their life. That's all they have. That's pretty much what they have to look forward to. But we can learn from this as well. We should be doing the very same things. So for our discussion today, we're going to look at the Thessalonians, who I have deemed to be a very special group of people. And I believe that Paul saw them in that unique, special way as well. Now, I'll explain why I believe this, but I want to share with you very briefly the history of this group of people in the Bible that we found. If we look at First and Second Thessalonians, they received a couple of letters from Paul. So let's look at this a little bit more closely about the Thessalonians. They were a new group of believers. They were a church plant by Paul and his companions sometime around the year or the summer of A.D. 50, the year 50. Paul and his group had to leave the area rather quickly because of the threat of persecution. There was a lot of persecution back then against the way, as we call it, following Christ. Satan was busy then, and boy, oh boy, Satan's pretty busy now too, amen? He's been busy for a long time, going back to A.D. 50 and before that. So Paul and his group left there for Berea. Now, he checked back with the Thessalonians as a follow-up and found that they were doing well in some areas of the faith, but not so well in others. And a lot of it, frankly, had to do with persecution. What challenges our faith? Something coming against us, whether it be Satan or circumstances or life problems, whatever it is, that's what challenges our faith. Amen? Amen? That's what challenges us. I'm going to check and see if y'all wait. We are challenged by our faith because Satan wants to see us scuffle. He wants to see us struggle. Because as we struggle, guess what? We are not necessarily looking to Jesus Christ. We have to overcome all of that. We have to do what? Stand firm, stay the course, and remain faithful. That's what we have to do. So the Thessalonians were struggling with persecution, and it was a very, very tough thing for new believers. We talked about new believers this morning in Sunday school. What's the challenge for new believers? A lot of distractions. Distractions. Consider that it was a tough thing because Thessalonica excuse me, was not just a small village. It was a great city. It was a pretty decent-sized city. And back at that time, about the size of Akron, about 200,000 people were in that city. 
And why was Thessalonica so special? Well, it was the capital and largest city of the Roman province of Macedonia. The most important Roman highway, called the Ignatian Way, extended from Rome all the way to the Orient. And it went right through Thessalonica. This highway, along with the city's thriving seaport, you can imagine, this, this had water on the side of it as well too, made it one of the wealthiest trade centers in the Roman Empire. Thessalonica was a free city, and it was allowed self-rule, which meant that they were exempt from most of the restrictions placed by Rome on other cities in the empire. They were a free city. It was an international city. had a lot of international flavor to it. However... Along with that came many of the pagan religions and cultural influences that challenged the faith of the young Christians there. So you can imagine, big city life, big city happenings, trades taking place, good things are going on, but yet there was still pagan influence, a lot of distractions, a lot of different cultures passing through, Where have we heard this before? Same scenarios here. People come, people go. You go different places. Las Vegas is an international city, amen? A lot of people passing through Las Vegas, and we know what happens in Vegas, don't we? Amen. That's right. Pretty busy place. A lot of distractions out in Vegas. Y'all know that. Amen. Amen. So today, the name of the city that exists there is Thessaloniki. That's a Greek name. The American name is Thessalonica. It's the same city. It's right there. But there's not 200,000 people there right now. There's a million people there. It's still a thriving city, a thriving seaport. And there's a million people there in central Greece. That's where it's located. It's in Greece. Same city. Same city name. Just grew from where it was before to what it is today. It's one of the few cities in the Bible that still have the same name today. Now, who says the Bible is not a history book? There's a great example of that. Go look it up. It's there. And it's a beautiful city, by the way. Now, as to why I believe the Thessalonians were special in Paul's eyes, were they perfect as a people? No. Shoot, we ain't perfect. Amen? They weren't perfect. They made a number of mistakes. They were mixed up and distracted in the popular traditions of the day, And they were persecuted for their faith. They showed themselves to be faithful, but people were coming after them anyway. You show yourself to be faithful, and yet Satan comes after you too. Amen? You also sound so somber. I'm going to loosen you up, though, a little bit. 
They were mixed up and distracted in the popular traditions of the day, and they were persecuted for their faith, so much so that they were asking early and often as to when Jesus was coming back. When is Jesus coming back? When is he going to come back? We're going through a whole bunch of stuff right now. When is Jesus coming back? Are we asking that question? Amen? Amen? Are we asking that question? When is Jesus coming back? When is Jesus coming back, Paul? You said he would come back. When? They were so intrigued with the prospect of Jesus' return that some of them just stopped working altogether. They just stopped working. Well, Jesus is coming back. No need to do anything else. I'm just going to sit and wait and see what happens. And Paul had to admonish him for that. That's in 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 6 through 13. They became the subject to the trappings of sin. Because they just sat on their hands and they didn't do anything. Well, I hope you're not doing that. We know that Jesus is coming, and we don't need to know when he's coming. Amen? Because if we knew when he was coming, guess what we would be doing? Sitting on our hands. Amen? We don't need to know. (laughs) But Paul saw that the Thessalonian faithful needed something more. They were a good group. They just needed some help. They needed some guidance. They needed some encouragement. They needed some encouragement. And that's what these letters are all about. They're to encourage. They're to encourage the people that they're being written to, and they're there to encourage us. Which leads us to our passage, our featured passage today. Please go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And we're going to look at verses 13 through 18. 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 through 18. This is where we'll be focused today. We're going to look at this passage because we need to see that of all the people that are written about in Scripture... It's the Thessalonians that get this special information that we don't see anywhere else in Scripture. They have to be special because they must have been asking a lot of questions. And they had a lot of scuffling they were going through and a lot of difficulty they were going through. And they're relatively new believers. Remember, they're coming out of what environment? Pagan environment. They were putting themselves out there for basically ridicule and persecution. And they needed encouragement. So after those questions, when is Jesus coming back? When is Jesus returning? What is happening? What do we have to go through here? Look at this passage. 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 through 18. Brothers and sisters... 
We do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. In other words, what is going to happen after all that we're going through and we're eventually going to die? Amen. All of us are going to die one day. Amen. All of us are going to die one day. Amen. All the people of the church say, Amen. We're all going to die one day. We don't know when it is, but we know it's appointed to us. We do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. That statement in itself is a statement of hope. Verse 14, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Verse 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Verse 17. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Amen. This is huge. Now this passage followed verses before that that emphasize the importance of staying obedient to God and his word, and loving one another as God loves you. Where have we heard that before? Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 40. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Some passages say all your mind. And the second commandment is like the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. These are, according to Jesus' words, the two greatest commandments, and they're both equal. One is not over the other. They're both equal. So this passage is following that same command to love the Lord, be obedient to his word, and love one another as God loves you. Plain and simple. Or is it? We need to keep that in mind. And then the Spirit imparted Paul to add the words about Jesus' coming back. The only place in God's Word we see this rendition of the monumental event of the dead and living in Christ going to meet him in the air. Praise the Lord for the amazing word picture visualization. When you listen to that passage, or when you read this passage... What do you think about? Word pictures. My lovely bride is a creative just like I am. 
We have that in common. We're creatives. A lot of you don't know that I used to do artwork when I was younger, in elementary school. I used to do artwork, too. I just didn't go that way. I just do other stuff now. But the point is, is that we have the ability to see visualization of when we read things. And when you think of the dead coming out to meet Christ in the air, and then those who are still living coming up and meeting Christ in the air, what do you see? You're supposed to see something. You should be seeing something out of this. I shouldn't have to tell you to use your imagination. You should see something. It gets your imagination going, and this is exactly what the Thessalonians must have needed to stand firm, stay the course, and remain faithful. The Lord gives us what we need when we need it, to do those very things. And we need that. Amen? We need it. We need it up, down, sideways, backwards, forwards. We need encouragement. It's what we all need to see. In today's world of uncertainty, we need reminders of Christ's promises and how he will keep every single one of them, including this one. We say all the time, God keeps all his promises. Do you believe that? He keeps all his promises. He is always faithful. Even when we're not faithful, he is faithful. Even when we mess up, he doesn't mess up. He is faithful. He's going to keep that promise. These are the ultimate words to encourage the Thessalonians. In the midst of all the confusion surrounding them and all of the hassles that they were experiencing, to live a joyful life knowing that there is something amazing that is coming one day for both the dead in Christ and for those who are still alive in Christ. To be encouraged. Everybody's different. Different people are impacted by different things. Amen? Some of us know not to touch a hot stove. Some of us put our hand on the burner anyway. Amen? Both people know something and have learned something. Either to take good advice or don't do that mess again. Some of us learn differently. Some of us respond differently. Some of us have great faith. Some of us have little bitty faith. But it all counts. It all counts. Some of us have to have word pictures that we read in Scripture to encourage us. And that's okay. The Thessalonians were charged by Paul to encourage one another. Encourage one another. We participate in Bible studies to 
encourage one another with God's word. We listen to the Spirit speak to us for the primary reason of encouragement. And we fellowship, like we're doing right now, to do what? Encourage one another. Encourage. Encourage. Notice the root of that word is courage. It gives people strength. It gives people a reason, a reason to live. You have courage to go forward. You have courage to move forward. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, this event that we read about in 1 Thessalonians 4 is the rapture. Amen? The rapture. And what does the word rapture mean? Well, it describes that event where the dead and alive in Christ meet him in the air, but the actual word meaning is actually very telling. Rapture is a noun. It can also be a verb. But it's a noun, and it describes an expression or manifestation, an expression or manifestation of ecstasy or passion. It also expresses a state of experiencing or being, of being carried away by overwhelming emotion. Now, i got to tell you something. What the rapture is going to be is pretty unbelievable. And that isn't even a good word to describe it. The name itself, rapture, has a wonderful connotation of euphoria and wonder. Euphoria and wonder. Now here's a guarantee. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be part of this event. Amen? Note the key words in the definition. Ecstasy. Passion and overwhelming emotion. Each of these is a great description of what we can only imagine to be the most amazing, incredible, life-altering moment that we will ever experience. Look at that definition again. How powerful those words are. Overwhelming. Ecstasy. We don't any longer have to wonder in our imagination about superheroes. Amen? Where am I going with this? You know that Superman can fly, right? Well, guess what? One day we're going to be flying like Superman. Amen? That's what that means. Now, come on now. Y'all know that. If you're going to be flying in the air, what are you going to be doing? Peddling something? I mean, even Wonder Woman needed an invisible plane to get around. Come on now. You're going to be flying. 
I told you to use your imagination. Y'all loosen up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the words of the rapture to the Thessalonians were indeed words of encouragement. And not just for encouragement, but to experience delight and joy. Delight and joy. Now, I got to tell you, it's a joy to experience the power of Jesus, his healing, his mercy, and he is worth celebrating. Amen? 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 He is worth celebrating. That's what the praise team does every week. They are celebrating for you all about the wonder of what Jesus Christ has done and what he's going to continue to do. I hope you can see this for yourself. Jesus is coming again one day, soon. He's going to return one incredible day, and it's going to be amazing to behold. Now, I was sharing this with my wife. I've been thinking about this for a couple weeks now. About a week ago, I was up half the night (laughs) because I kept thinking about this message. Now, the message today is called Rapture Delight. Rapture delight. Because I kept thinking over and over again about rapper's delight. Because that's how my mind works. And of course, you ask, why rapper's delight? Well, because the rapture is a celebration of Jesus returning to gather his people. And it's because of the good news of Jesus Christ when you trust him as your personal Lord and Savior. And because, you know, this is how my mind works, right? You can check this out, Pastor. Because the word rapper sounds like rapture. That's how my mind works. And it does. Rapper sounds like rapture. And I like the song Rapper's Delight. So what did I do? I woke up that morning and jotted down some lyrics. I actually wrote a song. I never wrote a song before in my life. I ain't never wrote nothing like that. I couldn't believe it. So, with that in mind, (laughs) I wrote some lyrics. So now, I woke up and I jotted them down. Now I'm going to share them with you. Mark, hit it. And turn it up loud, too. Oh, right on. There it is. Well, I hit, pop, I hit it, I hit it, hit it, hit, hit, pop, and you don't stop. Rock it out, baby, bubba, to the boogity, bang, bang, a boogie to the boogity beat. I say I couldn't wait for the end of this week, because I can rap to the rhythm of the groovy beat. And take the time to tell you a story about the way some of us are going to glory. It comes from Jesus, Lord and Savior, who died on the cross to show his favor. He paid the penalty for our sins, so everyone who knows the Savior wins. Now, everyone can see this world is crazy, but he doesn't want any of us to be lazy. He wants us to do what's good and right, and this is what leads to this rapper's delight. The glory story is about Christ's return, and he wants his children to know and learn. His word is 1 Thessalonians 4. Listen very close and I'll tell you more. Now what I have to say will be about how Jesus will return 
throne is a mighty shout. No need to worry about the sisters and brothers who die in Christ, all the fathers and mothers, because Jesus will do in the twinkling of an eye, raise them from the grave and meet them on high. It will be amazing, a sight to behold, guaranteed to shock the world. And those still alive will then take flight and then join Christ with the others in heavenly height. Another promise that Jesus will keep, so be encouraged whether alive or asleep. If we know Jesus, we will be with him for eternity. Everybody say, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Now you've heard this rapper's delight to live for Christ and pray day and night. Put on God's armor, shield, and sword, and let the Spirit guide you and stay in His Word. With a hip, hop, hippie, a dibby, dibby, hip, hip, hop, and don't stop rocking to the bang, bang, boogity, bang, bang, boogie, or the rhythm of the boogity beat. Right on. Look out now. Oh, my goodness. Okay. All right. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, I know that was the craziest thing you've probably ever seen. And you probably won't see anything crazy like that ever again. Because I thought about doing it live, and I said to myself, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. No, because I, I, after, the, after the sixth take, I said, that's it. I'm just going to do it like that. And that was the first take. So that's how it worked out. It was good. But I hope you can see there's a reason to celebrate. That's a celebration we're talking about. The rapture is a celebration. I know y'all ain't never going to look at me the same after this. And I understand that. That's okay. I'm, I'm prepared for that. <laughs> it's dangerous to have a creative person up here in the pulpit. Because stuff like that might just come out. But I want, don't want you to miss. We don't celebrate what Jesus is doing for us enough. We need to look at his promise and know that this is a reason for us to live and to celebrate him and give him the praise and say hallelujah. Amen? That's what this is all about. The Thessalonians were blessed beyond measure. They got something more from Paul's writing through the power of the Spirit to answer that question, when is Jesus coming back? And the words of encouragement are there for us to do what? Stand firm, stay the course, and remain faithful. Amen? Amen. Father, you are so good. You give us exactly what we need to be able to move and function on a daily basis. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for your teaching. We thank you for your encouragement where you truly do encourage us with your very presence. And you don't have to say a thing, but we are still encouraged by your presence. Lord, help us to be an encouragement to others as we move forward. Help us to look at what the words say in Scripture and just capture them and meditate on them, and allow them to work through us, that we can see your goodness. We can see how you keep all of your promises. And the rapture is just one more promise that you're going to keep. We thank you, Lord, for that promise. We thank you for your encouragement. We pray that you'll bless us and help us to remember going forward that you are the reason that we celebrate. You are the reason that we worship and praise you. 
Help us to be more vivid in our worship and praise as we go about our day. And we give you the praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.